Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back to another very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Uh, I'm very excited about today's episode. I've wanted to have uh, my guest on for quite a while. We finally made it happen, scheduling-wise. I am a big fan of her podcast. Um, I'll give you all the details in the links below, but I think you are in for a treat. She is a holistic sex and relationship coach. We're going to talk about all things sex and more. Uh, she, her work is a spiritual synthesis of over three decades of Tantra, Taoism, transpersonal psychologies, and spirituality. And so uh, get ready for a juicy conversation, folks. Welcome to Soul Talk the wonderful and amazing Kim Anami. Welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Great to be here. I, I love your podcast. I think you talk about such raw, real, juicy, um, much needed stuff that we often don't talk about in our culture, especially in spirituality. And I think for so often, you know, in the spiritual world, uh, sex and spirituality, sometimes there's this split. And uh, I think it's, it's, it's really, really powerful what you're doing. And so I have a whole bunch of questions I want to, to dive into. Um, but first, I would like to, to kind of explore, especially for those that might not know you, really curious how, like what inspired the, the spiritual, sexual uh, quest in terms of what you're doing now? Like how does someone, how does someone even go into that path of, okay, I'm going to be a holistic sex relationship teacher? Well, now I think it's rather common, but you know, for me, my journey was really a culmination of my personal explorations and my own journey into myself. And so mm -hmm. from a young age, I had a real sense of or was looking for or connected to spirituality and trying to find a definition of that outside of the general societal parameters that we typically grow up with. And also had a strong sense of myself, of my own sexual energy. And as I got older and began to dive deeper into both of them, I saw that there were so many similarities, like this notion of deep surrender and truly opening yourself to an energy and a source and a power that's greater than us. And that when we do that, we step into this beautiful flow and wisdom and like the secrets of the universe begin to reveal themselves to us. And so my own explorations and intuitive understanding of sex 
was always that it was like this portal that we had access to, to other dimensions of consciousness and awareness and of course pleasure, but that it was a real spiritual self-actualization mm. endeavor. And so some of my early experiences were me emerging, feeling like I self-realized, like I was more myself than I was before. And at the time, this was in my teenage years, I was studying psychology and Maslow's ideas of self-actualization, you know, and I just thought there's so much similarity there, like these ideas and the feelings I have that sex and spirituality are really closer together than in our culture where they tend to be yeah. very polarized, right? Like yeah. sex and spirituality, the twins never shall meet. I mean, these, then, you know, you look at ancient cultures, mm -hmm. like say Tantra in India and Taoism in China, where 5,000 years ago, they actually did meet. They did look at sex, conscious sexuality as a springboard to other states of awareness and to enlightenment. And mm -hmm. so that really, once I found those ideas, that was validation for me. Like, okay, that actually resonates more with me than any of the ideas I've seen in Western culture, you know, that are around shame and taboo yeah. and all this negativity around sexuality. And that just never intuitively felt right to me. And I think that's the case for many people is that it doesn't feel right. But if you don't know what you don't know, and you don't have another alternative presented to you, you don't know how to express it. And then layer on top of that, people having a lot of sexual trauma because people are so lost around sex that they have all this stuff to wade through to find their true essence, the true healthy innate sexual expression that we all have underneath potentially a lot of layers of conditioning and trauma. So how did, um, from your perspective, the, the, this sexual spiritual split in our culture, like, what the hell happened? You know, like you talk about in the ancient, like I grew up in the church, you know, my father's a minister, 300 churches. So for me, I had to sort of disconnect my sexuality, suppress my spirituality. Yet, you know, I saw my father very sexual, very charismatic, you know, full of sexual energy, potentially, you know, who knows, maybe cheating, maybe not, you know? So I grew up with this split of religion and, sexuality is, is, is causes harm, you know, and it was only when I went to uh, India and on the spiritual quest, I ended up in Kajiraho, you know, where there were all the erotic oh, wow. sculptures and temples. And I'm, at, and I'm like, my mind is being blown and I'm having this sort of transmission of like spiritual, sexual integration that it would, but, but how, how the hell did this split happen? I think that it's actually deliberate that when, because we can see evidence that in a lot of spiritual paths, especially the major religions, there's an infiltration of human consciousness and human editing, right? Like you can read some of these things and go, God didn't say that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is, these are humans getting in there and doing some editing, doing some selective um interpretation of these ideas that at one point may have been pure spirit, may have been some more pure version of the word or the ideas of God or spirit or energy, whatever you want to call it. 
but that eventually I think the, the recognition that sex really is this divine power source, right? Sexual energy is the energy that creates new life. And if we're not creating babies with that, we can learn as these ancient cultures looked at how to channel and harness that energy and use it as a creative power source to manifest our reality and our ideas into the world. If we're not birthing babies, we can yeah. birth our ideas. We can birth mm -hmm. our reality. And so I often say that people who are cut off from this energy are actually functioning at a major deficiency in their lives because they don't have access to this creative power source. And anyone who's in that position then probably starts to become more of a victim or more of a, an effect mentality rather than cause, rather than creator of their universe, right? So I think that this was a deliberate hijacking of the sexual power and the ideas of sex. And so all of these concepts of taboo and morality, like think about in Christianity, the very first story is, yeah. is like, Eve was a hoe, right? <laughs> Eve was a hoe. And so humanity's fucked, right? right. Like that's what we all grow up with this, you know, this, this major origin story of yeah. like, she seduced him with her naughty it sexuality. Seems yeah. Sin, you know, it's terrible. And so that overlay is mm. on top of everything in our culture. And I'd say like, that's an example of something that's actually deliberate and fabricated. I don't believe that that's the true story, right? Yeah. I don't believe that doesn't sound like truth to me. Really? That sounds very petty and kind of fucking stupid, to be yeah. honest, right? Yeah. So I don't buy that at all. I think that's the human hand in there to exert some kind of control. Because if you can cut people off from their sexual energy, you can control them, right? Mm -hmm. That is like the literal power that's at your fingertips, right? Mm -hmm. At everyone's fingertips that we all have access to the creative power of the universe. But if you can convince people that they should stay away from that energy, that that energy is bad, it's dirty, it's sinful, it's dangerous, then they will. And the and the great irony is that I call this actually the biggest psyop that there is, is the psyop of sexuality, is that people are it, it literally have this energy in their own bodies that they can tune into. And yet they can't. It could be a million miles away as far as they're concerned because of all of this conditioning and brainwashing and misinformation that is put upon people that they then have to wade their way through to get to the truth and the essence of who they really are, which is that sexual energy is creative life force energy. Strip away all of the moral, all of the taboo, all of this stuff that's been superimposed upon it, and you're left with the raw creative power of the universe. And that's what we're being kept away from. So I think that's a deliberate orchestration. Powerful. For someone who let's say they're, they're shut off from their sexual energy um, for whatever the reason. And they're listening to the conversation going, mm, I, sounds interesting, but I'm not really connected to my, to this energy that she's talking about. Is there a, a first step that someone can take a beginning step to like, how does someone begin to connect to their sexual energy again? especially if they're afraid of it or they've been conditioned or they've been told or like, what's the first step? They're saying, I, I don't know where to start. Or maybe they've just, you know, maybe they're in a loveless relationship and they haven't, you know, had that connection or they've been busy raising kids or for whatever, so what, for whatever the reason. 
I'd say just start consuming alternative information. So you mentioned my podcasts, I have YouTube mm. videos, and they're all about showing people you know, what they don't know, right? Like the possibilities that you just didn't even think were available, right? Like I have something I call the Anami guarantee, which is that mm. everyone can out in the world of sexual, whatever. But everyone, everyone can what? Everyone can. Okay. Like every woman can have a high libido, can okay. be multi-orgasmic, can have G-spot, cervical, ejaculatory orgasms that hit the ceiling. She can shoot ping pong balls with her vagina. This is not just the domain of some special gifted select lucky every, Everyone. Everyone can, I guarantee it. Every man can learn to have an, you know, go for eight hours at a time, can separate orgasm from ejaculation, can be multi-orgasmic. Everyone can. And in the domain of, say, allopathic medicine or more mainstream, let's say, sex advice, they would say, well, they're there, you know, little girl. Some some people can and some people can't. Don't you worry yeah. your pretty yeah. little head about that. Just be okay with who you are, right? And I say, no, that's total bullshit. Everyone can. That's just a cop-out. Or these people are, quite frankly, revealing to you their own ignorance, right? And their own inexperience. Because... And my, in my, you know, decades of doing this work and thousands of people I've worked with, every single person can get there, especially because people then buy into this notion, they'll try something, right? And think, oh, they didn't get there. Oh, I guess I'm just one of those people who's not able to do that, right? And they'll just take that off their list where I say, no, put it back on your list. <laughs> like, for example, some women will have their first G-spot orgasm that night just because I told them that they could. Right. Mm -hmm. They bought into that notion. Oh, I guess I just can't. You know, I've tried it with my partner before and we didn't get there. So I must be one of those women. And yet that's the. So, that's the, just, so, the, so just even the belief, the belief yeah. and the narrative can, can yes. affect one's yes. orgasmic. Yes. Ability. Yes. Yes. So a huge part of what I do in my videos, in my podcast is showing people the why. You know, why is it so important that we learn to get in touch with our sexual energy? Why is it so important that we do this healing? How is this energy so vitally powerful and has such a massive influence in our lives? Mm. So that's the first place to start is just to saturate your consciousness with a new point of view. And then from there, I have all kinds of different simple techniques, right? From communication with your partner and yourself, like really committing to radical honesty and openness. And, you know, there's kind of a tacit value in our culture, like white lies are okay, right? Mm -hmm. It's better to soften the blow and not tell the whole truth if it might hurt someone's feelings. And mm -hmm. I say, no, in order to have a really conscious, thriving, intimate relationship, honesty has to be a core value and a daily practice. Tell us a bit more about why. Um, so I use this analogy of a clear pane of glass that's yeah. existing between two people. One person's on one side, the other's on the other side. And every time they hold something back or they a sin of omission or they tell an actual lie, it's like a splotch of mud goes up on that glass. And mm. you do it again, another splotch of mud, another splotch, another splotch mm. to the point where you've got this really muddy wall or even a brick wall over time of all the things that you hold back from 
from each other. And when you're transparent and you're clear and you're honest, you have this clear glass, right? Where you can see each other, you can feel each other, you can <laughs> reach through and touch each other. And that is erotic, right? I talk about the aphrodisiac of truth. Wow. Often when couples have a really space clearing kind of feng shui type conversation, they end up having sex because mm -hmm. that level of honesty and vulnerability and reveal is very attractive. And they end up where they can't keep their hands off each other. And then the opposite is true. When we're living a lie, when we're holding things back, all those things register in the ethers. It's not like they're, they're, they're not there. We might think they're not there because we've tried to sweep them under the rug, but eventually that rug becomes a giant pile of things that we start tripping over in the room. Truth. Wow. Um, in terms of orgasm, you said everyone can. Now, I've heard of, of women that have said, no, that's not true. It's, it's, it's everyone. Like I, I had the conversation with someone. No, every woman's body is different. That's not true. And, and, and I know several women who have been honest with me and said they've never had. They don't have orgasm during sex, you know, vaginal orgasms during, like, during sexual intercourse. So can you break down why that is? Well, one of those reasons might be, like we said earlier, they've just accepted the notion that they can't, so the, right? So the belief. The belief is, is one reason. The second reason is that the deeper vaginal orgasms, like G-spot orgasms, squirting, cervical orgasms, all require a massive degree of trust, of mm. openness and surrender. And so these aren't the kinds of orgasms that people can just pop off, let's say in a casual sex situation or even in a committed relationship where there's a lot of mud on the glass, right? When there's a lot of barriers between a couple, then that's going to register and show up in the bed, right? I often use it as, a, as an example, the notion of, let's say a couple has an argument at breakfast time, right? And then they don't really clear it. They don't process it. They don't get to a place of real resolution, they go to have sex that evening. Maybe he's not very hard or he comes very quickly. She doesn't lubricate very well or can't reach orgasm. Those are all symptomatic of the fact that they have this unresolved stuff wow, between them. Nice, nice, it's not nice. because, oh, she's of a certain age. She doesn't lubricate. Oh, he's just has a, an affliction of premature ejaculation. Mm -hmm. No, that's all not true at all. Like those things are coming as a direct representation of the state of our relationship, right? All those things manifest in the body as symptoms or in the bed as issues. And when we have then this committed, um, commit to a conscious relationship. And like I said, one part of that is honesty. And then the other part of that is also looking at clearing blockages, right? Like that, the, the argument is a small example of something to clear, but there could be much larger examples, like longstanding issues in the relationship. Infidelity could be an issue that happened in a relationship or somebody's sexual trauma that they haven't really healed from their past, even their childhood can be an issue that's creating, taking up space in the relationship 
relationship. So all those things in a conscious relationship are on the table or in the bed and look, you know, for us to look at and dive into and to help each other to heal. And when we're committed to using our sexual energy, it becomes a catalyst. It becomes this alchemical cauldron that when we have that really deep, honest, open, vulnerable connection with each other, where we are able to surrender, we generate this massive superpower from our sexual energy, this unstoppable, unfuckwithable force that we then channel out into the world. And I talk about the idea of superpower couples. And this is what happens is that we've generated this life force energy between us through the power our relationship. And that then filters out into every part of our lives. We become more powerful in the work that we do. We usually generate more money. We end up in careers that are more in alignment with the truth of who we are. Our children even respond and become more harmonious. We lose weight. <laughs> we, we, we heal health issues. All of these things, because that's the source energy. And when we're finally in alignment with it and we're channeling it, that then infuses itself into everything we do and up levels it and then the reverse is true when we're stuck in our sexual relationship whether we're by ourselves or in a couple that sucks everything else into it like a vortex and a black Mm. hole beautiful for let's say uh, someone is in relationship with someone and maybe their sexual trauma um could you just shed a bit of light i have another question but could you shed a bit of light as to how the partner can maybe support, heal the partner who has sexual trauma? Like what can they do? What advice can you give to that partner whose partner has sexual trauma? What, what, what can they do in terms of the way of being, even sexually, to, to kind of support and hold the space for, that, for, for their partner? With sexual trauma, my advice is that it has to be addressed in terms of rewiring neural pathways. There has to be conscious healing undertaken. It's not something Mm -hmm. that will just go away because it's been wired into the person. And so Mm -hmm. in my work and in my salons, we go deep into how to do that, how to rewire those neural pathways to be able to come out of that. Because if it doesn't happen, the trauma just keeps repeating and looping itself in a pattern, right? Because that original incident is on a neural pathway that every time that person is sexual, it just Mm -hmm. sends them back to the original incident. So active addressing and healing of that trauma is essential. It's a non-negotiable for people who've had sexual trauma. Are there, are there any, when you say active, I'm just curious, are, are there any specific techniques? Are there any specific things that, I know it's longer than, you know, a few minutes in a podcast, but are there any specific things that some, that someone can do with their partner to, to support the healing and the rewiring? Right. Well, look, those are, like I said, those are things that I go into in my salons, but I would, as the partner, be supportive of that process and encouraging Mm -hmm. of that process and essentially not allow, if you know that that's in history, not allow that person to default to not doing anything about it right, is to, in a loving and compassionate way, you know, try to suggest, like, lead them in this direction towards my work or some other kind of, you know, if you find somebody else or something else, but that it can't just be, it's not just going to go away, 
unless Mm -hmm. it's actively addressed. And so I would be, like I said, calling that out, but with love and compassion and support Mm -hmm. to be on that journey with them, but not just accepting that, oh, we can't have sex because of this, or, oh, whenever we tried this, this happens, or, oh, this person, you know, like, for example, something I saw years ago is someone had come to me and she'd come out of a traumatic situation and she had what they call vagina unlocked. Well, I call it vagina on lockdown, but they have some kind of, you know, allopathic mm. name for, I call them all Volvo bullshit. Yeah. They're all these like made yeah. up ideas and conditions that the allopathic medicine comes up with, but essentially her vagina was on lockdown and wasn't allowing entry because she hadn't healed past trauma. Right. And then when she went back and she healed that trauma, her vagina opened up. It wasn't some physical thing. You know, she didn't have some physical like in the Western vocabulary. It would be we don't know what it is. We don't know how it got there and we don't know how to fix it. Right. That's what their Volvo bullshitia diagnoses comprise, right? And so instead of looking at any deeper history that that person might have had, and sure enough, that person had trauma. Sure enough, she cleared the trauma. And sure enough, her vagina opens up. Like it's that, it's that, it's say it's that simple as an idea. Obviously, there's work to be done, but um, there's that direct connection. Yeah, yes, powerful. You talked about, you mentioned a bit earlier, I'd love to hear a bit more about this. And um, you started kind of rattling off different types of orgasms. Like it was just, yeah, this orgasm, that orgasm. Like, like for those listening to like, slow down. <laughs> uh, could you talk about the types of orgasms? What, 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 how many types of orgasms are there? Um, and could you kind of like break that down? For men or women? Or both, both. Yeah. Well, for men, I'd say that it's about, most men have terminal orgasms or their notion is to build quickly to get to the orgasm. That's the main goal rather than having what I would call a more expanded orgasm and through breathing and conscious um, deciding to like hold out for longer, right? Like the average um, time of men for ejaculating in intercourse is like 75, 80, 90% of men ejaculate within three to five minutes, three right? To like five minutes. It's <laughs> oh it is awful. Right. That and is, I that, would say that, that, that I will have to say that is, that is sad to hear. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So think of all these underfucked women out there because of like, so the yeah it's like the biggest work that a man can do sexually is to have Mm. conscious control of his stamina to be able to go for at least an hour and more you know hours even and have full control of when he orgasms or not and through practicing breathing techniques and committing to this process he can have much more expanded full body orgasms orgasms that are energizing so that when he's finished having sex, he actually feels like he wants to go to the gym or wants to run a marathon rather than passed out. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's indicative of the fact that he's then recirculated that energy in his body. So that becomes a more restorative, rejuvenating experience rather than one that depletes him. Mm -hmm. Men can have a prostate inspired orgasm through anal play and prostate stimulation. That's like a giant orgasm accelerator. And there's all this taboo for men to play with in terms of anal play and what does that mean for them like taboo it really is like a 
gold mine of experiences to look through, right? Mm -hmm. And to challenge ourselves with and to break through. And there's always a ton of latent energy in the places that we have that kind of taboo and fear surrounding. For women... Before you go to the women part, because I think this is gold, could you just share a bit of guidance to the men about how to consciously... Um, develop stamina, how to consciously control ejaculation. Could you talk a bit about that? So that yeah. we can go so that we can go more than three to five minutes. Yes, a noble, a noble ideal. <laughs> um, well, in the words of the illustrious Wim Hof, breathe, motherfucker. It's, you know, he talks about that's his catchphrase, right? Mm-hmm. Is about breathing. And yep. so it's really as simple as breathing. Most mm-hmm. men, especially, but women too, when they get excited, they will hold the breath, contract the body, or breathe really shallow. And instead, we want to train ourselves to take long, steady, deep breaths throughout the sexual experience, but especially as we get to the cusp of orgasm. So as we're getting close, but not yet over the edge, like say a seven out of 10, we pause. We stop movement, stimulation, and we breathe. Like I'd say, take a good three deep, long, steady breaths of a four count inhale, a four count exhale, let your arousal subside, and then start building up again and practice living and hovering in that edge, right? And then eventually you can bring that edge up higher to an eight out of 10, a nine out of 10. And eventually men will actually have orgasms without ejaculation, which is kind of the best of all worlds where they're not losing any energy through their fluids, but they're having a full powered orgasmic experience and they can keep going their erection doesn't Mm. waver they're able to keep having sex but they're having orgasms at the same time beautiful breathing is key breathing is key breathing is key got it so you're about to talk a bit about women women's orgasmic let's see so clitoral orgasms they can have g-spot orgasms ejaculation or squirting orgasms cervical orgasms anal orgasms they could have blended orgasms like that's a bit of both like a bit of clitoral a bit of g-spot nipple orgasms energy orgasms full body orgasms I'm taking, I'm taking, I'm taking notes and, 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 and I'm, going, I'm going off the page here <laughs> I have a really good video on YouTube called Orgasmopedia, 11 different types of orgasms. And I go through them in more detail there. Wow. Okay. Got it. Um, That's a lot of uh, orgasmic potential for women. Yeah. It seems like a lot more than for men. And so could you talk a bit about maybe the, is the difference or is there a difference, the difference between, male orgasm, female orgasm, the dynamics, male ejaculation and female ejaculation? Because it, it seems like male ejaculation tends to deplete him, and yet it seems a bit different for women. And so could, could you talk a bit about that? Yeah. I mean, even in the ancient Taoist and Tantric texts, they were... And- people have probably heard of this through that they talk about what men can deplete their energy and do deplete their energy through excessive 
ejaculation. And so by holding on to their fluids, they tend to retain their energy. Now I've worked with men over the years and taught them these breathing practices. And by incorporating these breathing practices, even if they do ejaculate, they retain a lot more energy. So the breath acts as a carrier of sexual energy in the body. And so where we would normally, or men would normally get really excited, build up, get to their edge, and then just eject all that energy out of them. If they're breathing, that's helping to recirculate that energy through their body, through the entire experience. So then if they do ejaculate at the end of it, they lose so much less. But you would keep even more if you chose to and learned how to orgasm with that ejaculation and renew and remove that energy throughout the body that way. So women, on the other hand, they can have as many orgasms as they like, they can ejaculate as much as they like, and they don't tend to lose energy in the same way. Now, if I was having, you know, 10 ejaculations, and I wasn't breathing and wasn't, you know, conscious of it, I would feel drained afterward. And so that's where the breathing is really important as well, Mm -hmm. is that breath moves sexual energy in the body. And once because it's such a healing, life giving, rejuvenating energy, anywhere that it's moving, it has that impact, right? We have our own healing power in our sexual energy. So breathing throughout the sexual experience, man or woman, as much as you can, you're allowing that energy to move through the system and it finds where it needs to go. It helps to move stagnant energy and blockages in the meridian system. It helps to, it goes to places that you have ailments or stuckness or, you know, just, injury even. And then Mm. in ancient Taoist practices, they talked about using different sexual positions consciously to direct Mm. energy to these areas. So for example, reverse cowgirl position. So the woman is on top and she's facing away from the man that moves energy into the kidneys for the woman. So your sex kind of like like acupuncture points. Yes. Yeah. And you can do that consciously when you're have when you're making love and you're generating that energy and you're breathing, right? And you're you're lift, you're harvesting that energy. You can visualize sending it to different parts of your body or your partner's body, and that will have a healing effect in these areas. Beautiful. Beautiful. Sexual Reiki. Sexual Reiki, sexual sort of acupuncture, yes, sexual yeah. uh, healing for sure. Uh, for someone listening that if you could give a condensed masterclass in sexuality, in sex, in love, in lovemaking, what would you say? If you could take like all, all everything you've learned and say, okay, here, here, here is the sort of masterclass in lovemaking and we have to go practice this with our partners tonight. I would love to hear your sort of condensed masterclass, like breathing. I'm getting you know, truth, truth, Student. breathing. Student, go. Um, <laughs> breathing, <laughs> clearing blockages, right? Like clearing. that's mm-hmm. bringing the unconscious conscious really. Mm. And then extended lovemaking. Like I always talk about how I recommend that all couples schedule in a non-negotiable three hour sex date every week. And so this gives you time every week. 
Yes, mm-hmm. every week. And then have a few others in between that. But at least schedule a longer date when you know that you're not going to be interrupted. There's no time pressures. You have all of this space to really unfold with your partner. And that is where the magic generally happens. When you don't have time pressure, you're not worried about anything else. You can just be with your partner. And so that can, like, when people first hear this from me, they're like, what? We're supposed to have sex, like intercourse for three hours? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, what? You know, and I said, like, and I said look, you can start. Sounds like torture. With- <laughs> Some maybe. Um, You can start with things like massage and manual play and oral sex and, you know, take little breaks. But the idea is that you're naked together for that period of time. You're not going on a dinner date or a walk in the park or, you know, a movie and then having sex. So this is three hours of you in bed. But once people start doing this work with me and they get into the depth of what's really possible, then they do come back and say that they had sex as an intercourse for three hours or longer and that it energized them and it begins to change their lives. And then I recommend that people have sex weekends where they go away and have sex for most of the weekend. And they schedule those in like quarterly throughout the year. And that's again, where the magic really happens is these extended periods of time, like from watching media and like movies and television, you know, we see sexual encounters condensed off into 30 second or one minute. Yep. Right, right. So the guy blows his load. Who knows if the woman even mm-hmm. came, cares, but like, that's it. That's sex. And we have that imprinted mm-hmm. in our consciousness over and over and over and over again, that we think that that is what reality is. And so the real power that gets harvested in our sexual encounters happens when we have the time to really engage. And so these other practices like honesty and clearing of blockages and then even scheduling and carving out the time are all like foreplay. They're all like getting things lubricated and opened up and prepared for when we then have that space, we're able to really open up and to be Mm -hmm. vulnerable and to surrender and really let go. And surrender is really the key. That is where we tap into that superpower that I mentioned earlier. If we're guarded, if we're blocked, if we're cagey, if we're playing games, none of this, these benefits of conscious sex are going to happen. You could have sex for hours and hours, but if you're not actually opening up and you haven't revealed yourself in a deep way, it doesn't matter. You won't tap into these powerful benefits. How does one surrender? Like, I'd love to, to sort of get your perspective on, you know, sexually, like, surrender, what it means truly, and for someone that feels a bit more guarded in how they live, in their sexual expression, um, how to surrender. I'd say that's a lifelong journey, right? Because even when we talk about these parallels in sexuality and spirituality, that's the constant quest in spirituality, right? Is thy will be done, trying to step aside the little self. So the larger Mm -hmm. channel of God or spirit, divine energy, whatever you call it, can come through us. And it's the same thing sexually. So these tools that I talked about, like practicing honesty, practicing vulnerability, practicing openness, they're all paving the way to this level of surrender so that you feel safe 
enough to really reveal and expose yourself to be in your raw, honest, unguarded state, right? These are all things that help us to get there. The blockage clearing, right, is removing giant things that might be in our energy field and, you know, taking them out of the equation so that we're left with our more like true, authentic self, giving us space and time. So there's no excuses. Oh, you know, our child knocked at the door. Oh, we have an appointment we have to get to. No, we're removing all those obstacles and creating the most optimal environment and possibility for the magic to happen. And then courage, right? Like all, you know, people will often describe coming to this void, especially women in the deeper vaginal orgasms. They'll say that, you know, I got to this place and then this sort of wall came up and, and then I just backed away. And it's like, okay, so that's the wall that you have to climb over or push through or break down or jump off the void, you know, you know, jump off the cliff to get to the other side, right? There's a level of risk-taking of like, I feel so raw, so vulnerable, so open, so exposed. Yes, like, yes. am I going to keep going in that direction or am I going to pull back and put a layer of protection over myself? And so if we do that, then we won't hit those deeper levels. But if we keep going into them, we will, you know, I guarantee that. And so, like I said before, for some people, it's just, they're already sort of primed to do that. They just didn't know that you know, that that was the pathway there or that that was a possibility that could even happen. And for other people, they have a lot more work to do to prep that space to allow yeah. themselves to get to that place of being able to open up and let go. And I think even having a spiritual practice is a really powerful tool, right? Because like mm -hmm. I said, that parallel of if throughout your day, you're trying to practice surrender and practice tuning into spirit, practice opening up to spirit energy, then that's the same energy, the same idea of opening up to another person, opening up mm -hmm. even into yourself in the sexual experience. But it's a lifelong journey, right? Yeah, like I, yeah. That I journey that. to authenticity and openness and being able to live with an open heart, mm -hmm. you know, that's all connected. And that's to me why we're all here, right? Is to learn how to do that and to get better at doing that and to live and exist more and more full time in those places, right? We might get glimpses of it and then it feels like it evaporates. I'm like, how do, how do I get there again, you know? And that's the practice is like, okay, consciously we know how to get there again and now we know how to live there. Yeah, yeah beautiful, beautiful. You know, what, one thing I really am enjoying about as you're sharing is even though we're talking about sex, it's not just, okay, do this or do that position or do this thing. It's really like what's beautiful as I hear you is, you know, I keep hearing this theme of truth and honesty and, and vulnerability and opening, which that's, that's getting naked for real, you know, cause I think you can, be fucking and having sex but if you're contracted and have all these lies and you know protecting yourself you're not truly naked you're not truly like l making love and and so i really appreciate that you're 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 bringing the honesty and the vulnerability and the truth piece i would love to dig a bit more into truth and ju just maybe to give people some clarification or deep understanding like when you say truth 
are you talking about like share everything with your partner, like every thought, every feeling, everything, you know, um, like is there a line or is there not a line? Is it just complete openness? Um, you know, sometimes I hear people talk about, I'm not going to share that, that feeling or that emotion or that I'm attracted to that woman or, or even people that have cheated and they say, maybe you can address this too. Like, well, I cheated, I made a mistake and it would probably be better that she doesn't know or he doesn't know. And, and so the, 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 like sp speak to truth a bit and, and some of those scenarios. It's a great question. Look, I'd say everything important has to be shared. Yes. And so things that are trivial, like the day-to-day, -day, oh, I went to the supermarket and I couldn't decide between the blue and the red. And then I was thinking, do I want, really want, like trivial kind of, you know, mind chatter yeah. stuff, don't need to share it. It actually is unsexy, right? To hear too much of the mundane, like there's a, a you cultivate the mystery by not oversharing the mundane, but you cultivate the eroticism by sharing the very important, right? And so mm. the core raw important truths absolutely cheating absolutely even if it might be tempting to think like okay that happened in the past you know what they don't know they fucking know they yes, absolutely yes. know there's something that i say the lie of a lie mm. and in our culture like we've been sort of brainwashed to think that you can get away with lying and look on some level you might tell somebody a lie and it looks like they believe you on a soul level they know Know. Right. They yeah. might not know what they know or exactly what it is, but that something is wrong and they feel that. And that and then it does affect the energy between Absolutely. you and another person. Yep. Yes, totally does. And so they're picking up on that. So you've already marred the connection, whether you think it or not, or you know it or not, they are already mistrustful of you and you're already carrying an energy of deception. That mm. is then coloring the space. That's creating, that's put a massive brick into that wall that I talked about earlier, that glass, right? So they know already. And so when you tell them, they might be shocked, they might be hurt, but especially in the realm of cheating, because I'm a real fan of personal, radical personal responsibility, I always say that if someone resorted to cheating, there was already distance in the relationship. Cheating, or what I don't even like that term, but let's call it stepping out on somebody, only happens in when there's distance in the space. If a couple is really close and connected to the degree that I teach, to the gourmet sex, what I call gourmet sex, surrendered, open, deep level, they're not stepping out. They're not even interested in other people because their own connection is so deep, so powerful, so satisfying. They're not interested. And so it's only in that space where we've had a tacitly accepted distance, right? You kind of got your life. I've kind of got my life. Like we're existing. It's a shitty relationship. That's what it is. So because in our culture, there's this real like finger pointing at the cheater, right? Like you did this to that person and that other person's the victim. Yes. I always encourage people to take a radically honest look and say, if you were the person who got stepped out on, in what ways were you withholding? With, were you dishonest in the relationship? Because maybe that person did that thing and I don't condone them doing that. But I would say that there is an equal part in the relationship where the other person was contributing to that distance in some and, way. And equal. You really feel it's equal. Equal. Yep. Like I do. equal. You feel it's equal. Yeah. It's not just yeah. like someone's being a jerk and an asshole. It's like 
it's equal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Mm. And to be honest, that that viewpoint is actually empowering for because sure. if you're the person sure. who has stepped out on and you so you cheated on, you know, you're always going to be the victim. There is never a way out for you because they always did you wrong. If you step up and you acknowledge, okay, if I'm really honest, what was going on at that time? I guarantee that your relationship was not in a great place, right? And like what was really happening? How was I not showing up in the relationship? look at that. That's your healing. That is your medicine. And when you can come forward and acknowledge that and go, look, like what you did really hurt me, but I also recognize that I wasn't showing up in this way. And this is the way that I was contributing to our dynamic. They will show up more and you can come together from this place of true honesty and, and responsibility, right? Because if you you know, reinforce that victim place in yourself, you're never going to heal from that ever. But instead, you you can, I'll just say one thing, you can renew and rebirth your relationship by both recognizing where it was, what was happening, how each of you were contributing, and now how you're going to move forward and change that and evolve that. You can rebirth your relationship where that gets wiped away. But I guarantee if you do not do that and you do stay together, all this will ever be will be fodder for an argument, you know, where you get to a certain place and then you throw that at the other person, it will be in this of suffering. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, like, let's say a couple stays together, infidelities happened. um, And they genuinely want to, let's say the guy or the girl, the the man or the woman, they genuinely want to forgive. They're like, Kim, I, I want to forgive, but in my heart, I just, it, it just hasn't happened. Is there anything you could, like, what do they do? Like, what, 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 for that person, like, what, it, what is the block? What, what, what is stopping the actual, not intellectual, like, yes, I know I would like to forgive, but in, in their heart, they feel stuck. Well, I'd say that, first of all, it's that both people are in the same place of committing to healing their relationship and consciously working on their relationship. Because mm-hmm. if the person who stepped out is still you know, committed to dishonesty, committed to not showing up, then you're right not to forgive them, right? Like the forgiveness would be earned through somebody acknowledging what they've done and really on a path to changing who they are, how they express themselves, how they communicate their commitment to the relationship and to a conscious relationship. And for the other person, the same thing, like the power in them will be restored when they acknowledge where it was that they may have not been showing up, like where were Mm -hmm. they not participating in the relationship. And then together they mutually, it's like at, there is a decision at a certain point or often even in that process of acknowledging where you didn't show up, you can let go much more easily if you're able to do that. Right. And then there might be, if that doesn't happen organically, then yes, there might be a decision to make of like, all right, we're both going to hold hands and jump off the cliff together and give this another shot. But at that point, hopefully the other person has shown up and shown their commitment to this process of a new type of relationship and a way of being. And you're, you know, it's a wise risk to go about this again together. Beautiful. Final, final few questions, because you know, you're talking about this container and the vulnerability. It, can, can this depth 
does someone have to be in a committed relationship to go to the depths that you're talking about? Can, let, let's say for some pe- folks still listening that are single, they're like, I'm, I'm not in a committed relationship, but I don't want to be celibate for five years or three years or two years. Can they still experience the depth of sexual you know, ecstasy and bliss and joy and exploration that you're talking about? Not in a casual relationship. Talk, no. talk a bit more about that. <clears throat> so I, I talk about a concept that I refer to as conscious monogamy. So even these days, right, there's a huge movement of polyamory. Yes, I was going to bring that up too. Humans yeah. actually meant to be, you know, monogamous. And, and I'd say that 99%, 99.999% of relationships actually aren't monogamous. They're just shitty relationships, mm-hmm. <laughs> meaning that people might have agreed to not have sex with other people, but they're not fully committing themselves emotionally, sexually to their partners. And so mm-hmm. what, when people try to say, oh, you know, relationships don't work that way, that's because most people are operating operating in really poor relationships, right? Where they're not being honest, they're not committing themselves sexually, they don't have these tools to create a conscious, evolved, alchemical, gourmet sex type superpower couple relationship, right? They don't know how to do it. So they just say, monogamy doesn't work. Well, (laughs) shitty relationship is what it is. And yeah, you're right, it doesn't work. But when couples actually step into this space of what I've just described, they don't wanna have sex with other people. They just don't. It evaporates. Even couples who did explore and have excursions with others, they don't. And so when I've scratched, because I've been around these circles for, you know, decades, right? And I'm always curious, like I'll meet a couple. And so I've had really good friends in these circles and I've hung out with them because they're they're quite fun people because they're usually very open and communicating things, right? So I go to some of their events, not necessarily participating, but just like dinners and stuff like that. So a couple that were really close friends of mine and they were like always on about how, and this was even, you know, 15 years ago. So before it was really trendy the way it is now, this was a lifestyle choice that they made. And they were, you know, all like kind of like they were so liberated, like this is really what humans were meant to be, but we're so evolved that we can actually handle this. You know, I scratched the surface and she's got a history of sexual abuse that they've never fully Mm. dealt with that became this like sort of, you know, stopping point in their evolution. And instead of dealing with it, maybe they didn't know how to deal with it. Maybe they thought she would just forever be, you know, in this trauma, they opened up their relationship, right? And inevitably every relationship where I scratch the surface, there's something going on like that. And like, maybe there's people who want to argue that point with me and I don't really care about arguing that point. All I'll say is that when people step into this conscious monogamy territory, they lose that urge because Mm -hmm. they're so deep within each other. And another argument people like to make is that, you know, you know, you're going to be having sex with the same person for the rest of your life. Well, if you're committed to stagnation, you certainly are. If you're committed to growth and evolution, that person is constantly changing and becoming you both are becoming new and better versions of yourselves. And so you're not having sex with the same person. You're having sex with different people within each other as you grow deeper and more committed. So what was your, I went off into the conscious monogamy question, but what was your question for me before that? What did you ask? Um, wow. I just, I was so enthralled in, in the conversation, you know, that, uh, 
Let me see what the what what the original question Oh, is it about casual is. versus committed? Yeah, can can can, can, can the, the depth because there is so much talk about exactly what you're saying, you know, polyamory, and we're not, you know, it's this kind of movement now, like you know, neo tantra, and everyone just you know being with everyone, and and there feels you know, and I'm all for freedom, Kim, and people have the right to choose how they choose to express. You know, especially if you're willing to be honest about it and, and be responsible and face the consequences yeah. of your actions. And, you know, uh, but but there seems a bit cavalier surface level, you know, lack of commitment and, and, and a fear of sometimes like really going deep into that alchemy of love. Right. And, and, and so the question was really like, can the depth of the sexual opening that you're talking about be experienced? Is it only able to be experienced in a committed relationship or for someone who's single and they're dating around? Could, could they go on a date tonight and have this like ecstatically, you know, wow experience that you're talking about and how deep can that go? Is it possible? I mean, anything's possible, but really, is it possible? Not really. Like when people do my salons, my online courses, some people sign up in a couple and some people sign up as singles. And that's one of the mm -hmm. questions they'll ask me is, oh, like, well, should I go and get a lover so I can be practicing yes. some of these no. things? Because some of the techniques I, I teach them are you could be single and some of them are specific to being in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Right. And I say, look, the best thing that you can do is to cultivate your own well fuckedness as a single person, meaning, you know, you self-pleasure, you practice all of these things you clear your blockages you work on you and you heal and up level you so you raise your vibration so then you're going to attract a higher quality partner once you're in more of an evolved place but if you are going out there and just trying to find someone to practice this particular blowjob technique like it's just mm -hmm. gonna fall flat right like it yeah. might be a little bit fun and exciting and you know and the energy dissipates right your, your own energy that you're cultivating within yourself now just sort of dissipates and yeah yeah exactly right it's 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 draining out like unconscious sex drains energy whether it's like a guy or woman jerking off to porn or more casual sex like that's why people often feel this sense of depletion or you know regret or shame or whatever and, and maybe they don't always feel that, right? But I would say that if they're truly honest, you know, the name of the game in a casual encounter is to block off parts of yourself, right? It mm -hmm. is to, you know, not get too attached, not get too emotionally involved. And my assertion is that in gourmet sex, you need every single layer of yourself to be involved physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, energetically, like all of you has to be there. And when you have, and you're meeting someone on all those levels simultaneously that's the best sex and this isn't a moral judgment like yeah. i have no yeah. issue with the choices people make there's no judgment there whatsoever it's the question is what is a better use of my energy mm. you know what of the things that i choose to partake in what elevates me and can, you know turns me into a better person versus you know maybe i busted one out and relieved some stress tonight but like Instead, I would encourage them to take on a conscious self-pleasuring practice. And there's one that I have. It's called Meditate, Masturbate, Create. And so for all those single people out there, this is like an evolved masturbation practice. So I, if you have a meditation we, we could, practice. We could, we could, we could add, 
and, and meditate must have been manifest. There's a three M right there. <laughs> yeah, I like the rhyming. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead, go ahead. So to do this, and you could do this as a couple as well, but this was especially for the singles because they might be feeling, you know, like, what can I do? How can I cultivate this energy on my own? So if you have a meditation practice, you can do that. And I would spend anywhere from five to 15 minutes. If you don't, a really simple one that I practice is I work with mantras. And one of my favorite mantras is the word hue, H-U. This is an ancient name for God, spirit, energy, the universe, whatever you want to call it. It's found in different cultures all over the world. It's a very high vibration, healing and attuning word. Rumi used that word and wrote about Mm. it in a lot of his books and writings. So do that chant for anywhere from five to 15 minutes and then self-pleasure. And as you self-pleasure, the breathing that I described earlier, that four count inhale, four count exhale and get to your edge. And ideally don't go over your edge, like play at your edge and then you know, pause. So like you can self-pleasure for anywhere from 15 to 40 minutes, whatever you prefer, whatever you like. Breathe. If you do come or choose to orgasm, that's up to you. But at least at the very least, practice that really deep, steady breathing throughout and especially at the edge of orgasm. And then go create, go do something. So that could be a kind of stereotypical idea of creation, like painting or drawing or writing, but that can be working in the garden. That can be cleaning your house that can be playing with your children anything it could be going to the gym where you're thinking about then taking that energy that you've cultivated through this practice and then going to channel it out into your world and so i hear amazing stories because like one woman I gave this practice to, she did a challenge, like a 30 day challenge of doing this meditate, masturbate, create every day. First day she does it. She goes into town the next day. She's in sweats, you know, hair up in a ponytail, no makeup, like not looking to impress whatsoever. Right. She's pumping gas in her car. And this guy like runs across the street to ask her for her phone number. Right. Cause she's radiating. radiating yeah energy that's coming through and then like you know a few minutes later some other guy asks her out right like and she's not doing anything she's not looking for anything she's just radiating her beautiful life force energy that's come from her vagina right Mm -hmm. and she's moving through the world inhabiting that space and it's so attractive that it's you know it's like from across the street someone can probably Feel this energy, right? And runs towards it, beelines Mm. towards it. And I hear Mm. those stories all the time. So my advice is that a much better use of your single time is to cultivate that energy within yourself instead of wasting it. And again, that might sound like a judgmental word, but I'm only using it in the context of what I think is building us up versus leading us in some way. So for the so, so so before we move on, for the single person. Um, you're saying no lovers. I, I know it's. I'm, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit because people are going to be like, "What do I do? Do I just be by myself? Do I go out have luck?" Are, are we saying like for someone that says, "Kim, I want to manifest my my my, my person, my my soulmate, my man." Are we saying like no lovers, like nothing, kind of yeah, be with yourself? I- like what's the yeah. what's the bottom line? 
That's the bottom line, conscious celibacy and cultivate that energy. I did a podcast called Conscious Celibacy mm-hmm. and I even shared my journey. Like after the last big breakup that I had, I took a two and a half year period with no lovers. Well, maybe there was a couple little dalliances in there, but like nothing significant and no intercourse, um, a couple of brief moments. But um, and that and I focused on like there was because I come out of my last relationship and I really wanted to focus on like, OK, there are parts in my life that I feel aren't fully ready to meet my ideal match and my ideal partner. So I want to work on those areas of my life and myself before I you know, bring them in. Right. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to fully meet them. So that was me being really honest with myself and directing that energy inward, right? And focusing on all the things that we've talked about. And then about, like, I didn't have a time frame in mind and like, that might not be the time frame for everybody. It could be different for everyone, but I, it's almost like I put this invisible, you know, no vacancy, whatever, <laughs> like, not, not available sign on my forehead. And I, you know, like, like I said, look, I'm open if something comes along that seems like yeah. it's right, but I'm not just going to mess around. I'm not going to go looking for hookups or looking for casual situations. Like if it's right, I'll know it's right. And, you know, a couple of people came along and I was like, maybe, the, and, and then I realized, no, they're not, they're not right. So I'm not going there. And then one day I re- like, I'd achieved all these things I wanted to achieve within myself and one day I could just feel like the sign came off. And within that week, I met three really high caliber people. And just out of the blue, one of them was on a beach. Another one was in like a, like a surf trip. The other one, like it just kind of contacted me. It was just, I didn't do anything. I didn't sign up for a dating yeah, site. I didn't yeah. like looking to kill out to the bar that night. Like nothing, <laughs> right? I just like could You're just being I was just being, but I'd done all this prep work to cultivate that space. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a much better use of your energy to focus inward. Like I said, up level your vibration and you'll attract a higher quality person, especially if you're someone and you're feeling like you've been looping in patterns, like you're attracting the same kind of person. You feel like the same kinds of issues are coming up in your relationship. Then you need to do something to break those cycles. Right. And to me, that would be all right bring that attention inward, focus on me, level up, and then see what comes in, right? And then people who come to you are giving you feedback. They Mm -hmm. are the feedback, right? The universe is showing you, well, this is who you're bringing in now. Are they a better match? And then you get to be like, yes or no, right? Like, "Mm, not quite, right? I'm going to keep doing my work. And then when you, I really believe in, you know, when you know, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when you know. It's not like, oh, is this the right, is this the, oh, no, you will know. Without a doubt, you will know. It's beautiful. I love it. I love it. And I think think many times when we, you know, dilly-dally around people that aren't the vibrational mesh, also we take on their energy. We take on their frequency. You have sex with someone that is not energetically vibrating where you want to be, but at the level you want to be at, you and that person that you're communicating energetically and and, and then, you know, many times for days, weeks, months, like you, you take on their energy and you carry that vibration with you that I think that vibration sometimes repels the energy of the person, like, like the energetic pheromones, right? It repels the energy of the person that you, you truly want to, to manifest. So, uh, so I, I put you on the spot a little bit, but I was curious what, what you would say. And I think I, I, I really agree with what you said. 
So I'm really glad you just said that too, though, because I think that that's so important. The people that we're having sex with, we take mm-hmm. on their energies and their yep. karmas. You're right. Yep. Then they begin to populate our energy field. And then the person who might have been a match for us is going to read mm-hmm. that. And, and yeah, just go, exactly. uh, Detail. Like, ah, no. <laughs> exactly. So I know it's, you know, like, it's it's definitely a commitment and a sort of self-discipline but once you dive in then you're making love to yourself you're falling in love with yourself you have this powerful relationship you're cultivating with yourself and so it's not like you're being deprived or you're missing out on something but there is the mindset in our culture that really kind of puts on a pedestal the notion of casual sex right like we've fought so hard we're so liberated we've come out of a puritanical time and you know and now we can have sex with whoever we want whatever we want yeah we can but is it really good for us and again it's not from a judgment or moral or religious stance whatsoever it's like what is the best use for our energy if we're being spiritual discrimination is it like is a value right like in buddhism and other discernment right discernment discernment exactly it's like is this actually a good thing for me because the lie of a lie like i said earlier right you said like we take on their energy we're wearing their energy their karma as well so the lie would be that we're not Mm. the lie would be that having sex with people who really aren't a good vibrational match for us is inconsequential because we have the lie in a way of birth control right of that to show us like well there is no consequence for having sex with these people if we didn't have birth control what would the consequence be Right? Would we think more carefully about our sexual partners if we didn't have the ability to literally block that fluid, right? Then that fluid was exchanged. A, there'd be much more, if I think much more energy taken on, but could even yeah. be, a, you know, a new life taken on, right? Yeah. Like how would we consider things then? So this is that, you know, like more of a really ruthlessly honest way of asking these questions but i think it's essential and i'm glad that you put me on the spot for that because it might not be what we think of as kind of like a liberal like do what we want kind of i you know ideology i don't think that works it's 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 i love it because there's so much of this like do whatever you want flow whatever you want and yes but but you know the deeper i go kim i find the deeper i go spiritually I kind of been finding the the deeper I go, the less choice I have, the freer I am, you know, because certain things that I used to be able to do, just, you know, the casual stuff, it's like, yeah, I can do it. But you talk about like, thy will be done. So it's like, it's not really an option anymore. Not from a moral standpoint, as you're saying, but from a discernment, from an energetic vibrational standpoint. And so, um, I think it takes a deeper level of uh, commitment to oneself uh, to really align with this 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 thing that you're seeing. So, thank you for saying it the way you said it. You know, um, I think it's it's really 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 on point. Um, I would love to. Um, I've loved this conversation, and I would I would love to a final question, and then I'd love to give people a, a way to get a hold of you and connect with you. Um, if you were to look at your entire life and everything you've learned, ups, downs, breakups, you know, orgasms, blessings, you know, adventures, everything, successes, failures. If you were to think of the three most, could be more, but let's say three most um, 
important life lessons that you've learned that if you could only pass these wisdoms to the next generation, that these three ideas, principles that you've learned would evolve the consciousness of the next generation, children and grandchildren the most. Like, I'm curious what these three Kimonami keys would be. Okay, courage, standing your ground, and learning from situations. And so I'll, I wanted to throw them out mm. so then I can break them down. But like mm. the standing your ground is like speaking your truth in the face of whatever's coming at you. So if you've spoken something publicly and you're getting attacked and, you know, you know all kinds of the way things happen online these days is to keep speaking your truth. If you know it's the truth and you believe in it, keep speaking it. I feel like that's a huge spiritual initiation that helps to take you to the next level of your growth when you stand in that. And then there's the microcosm of what I said, like in relationships and, you know, every part of your life, but that real commitment to the truth. And then the extra other layer of that is courage, right? Like I believe that we all as humans get given opportunities. Like some people might say, oh, where they grew up, up and the way, you know, the, their circumstances, like they didn't have, no, no, I believe that we all do. I believe that we all are given moments and portals of opportunity. And the difference between one person succeeding and the other person not is that they dared, they had the courage to jump through that moment. And that might've been losing the approval of their friends and their family and whatever it was, like there will always be a price to pay. And those with the courage to pay that price will transcend to the next level. And then learning from things, like you mentioned, even like breakups, like for me, I'm a pretty introspective person. And so after a breakup, even some of, you know, some of my breakups have just been devastating and, you know, heart shattering. I'm sure they are, they are for everybody, but you know, there's that, there's those moments of going through, allowing the grief and the feelings to be there, but then really trying to take honest stock. Like I said, like, where did I show up or yes. like the radical responsibility? Like what did, what part did I play? Where did I go wrong? What mistakes did I make? So I can learn, right? To be like, and that's how I learned the lie of a lie. You know, that was a pivotal moment in one of my relationships where I glossed over something and I could mm -hmm. see in that moment, like something, you know, got like a chink or a wall got built that I couldn't, like I could kind of track those moments. And they weren't, I didn't cheat on someone. It wasn't some massive thing, but I could see the subtlety that that, actually there yes. was a few, a few relationships where that happened and I realized, wow, like you can't get away with those things, or at least not in my life or my reality, mm -hmm. right? Like that's quite clear. So that notion of like radical responsibility, but also really trying to learn from situations that might seem devastating, might seem at first like we've been victimized, but re like think of like, okay, how did I participate? What could I have done differently? And, you know, yeah, like how do I learn from this and move on and do better next time? Beautiful. Beautiful. Kim, um, what's the best way people can find out about you and your work if they want to connect with you more? KimAnami.com is my website and I hold a series of online classes throughout the year called salons, which are the way that I teach all of this material to people. So we've got 
sexual mastery for men, how to be a well-fucked woman, coming together for couples, vaginal kung fu, where I <laughs> teach vaginal mm-hmm. power and sexy mama which is a holistic pregnancy and ecstatic birth class and then i have a podcast you referred to called orgasmic enlightenment folks by the way this it's a great podcast i I encourage everyone to check it out thank you and my youtube channel and i also have a shop called anami alchemia where i sell a bunch of holistic sexual accoutrement everything from herbal libido boosting tinctures to crystal elixirs to couture hand-blown glass dildos and body oils you can find there everything's fully organic and natural and yeah that's a ton of i have a ton of free material out there through the podcast and the my videos and my instagram we put daily content up there as well at kim anami and people have had radical change just from consuming that free content and then for people who want to go to the next level then my salons are available awesome thank you kim it's been a pleasure having you on soul talk thanks for just sharing so generously and just shining your light keep doing amazing work it's been a pleasure a real pleasure thank um, you loved our conversation yeah it's been it's been it's been really really great everyone i told you this was going to be a a juicy conversation a deep conversation i would love uh to hear from all of you uh send me an email coot blackson at cootblackson.com I would love to hear your key takeaways from today's episode. Uh, Share this episode with everyone in your life that you think would benefit. I think everyone needs to listen to it. Check out Kim's website, kimanami.com. All of her links are going to be in the show notes below. And until next week, love now. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.coopblackson.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.